Michael. Joseph. I have returned to the podcasting world. You are back from, not baby making, but the baby came out and then you had to make sure it didn't, like you had to make sure like a, a coyote didn't, you know, slink down from the forest and take it in the night. Right, would we consider it baby protecting? Yeah. So, yeah, baby protecting. Baby husbandry. As baby it. husbandry, sure. Um... It was a it was a good two weeks. Not a lot of sleep being had in the Fortunato household, but that is normal. Um, hmm. Let's see. Has Kaylin tried to kill a uh, baby Joe yet? No, she's not. Not intentionally, at least. But she's like a little MMA fighter with him, where she's just she's too strong. <laughs> she's going for arm bars. Yeah, she's just too strong. Yeah, she tried to give him a passing, and she just fucking smashed his head. Um, oh, that all right, thing is housekeeping. still forming anyway. It's fine. Don't worry. Housekeeping for all of you. Housekeeping. Housekeeping item number one. Y'all's a bunch of bitches. That's the first housekeeping. Mike told me that you sons of bitches did not behave while I was gone. And that's a goddamn shame. Okay? That's the first thing. All of you. Uh, the second thing... He said nothing of the sort. It, Mike did. He was complaining all the time that you guys... It was like a substitute teacher where they leave a report. And it was like, oh, you guys were really bad. That's what that was. Um, second thing. Michael and I have agreed to do another forum with the Blue Shirts Breakaway guys. Uh, not as much time to circle up the wagons on this one. September 14th. Um, have we tweeted out the location? It's the Gin House? Is that what it is? No, you haven't done anything. You've been busy keeping coyotes at bay. Yeah, I haven't I haven't done anything. That's a, a goddamn shame. I will tweet it out. By the time you're listening to this, it will have been tweeted out. Um, so I believe we're doing a $5 to get in and then just go in and drink as much as you can. It is in a nice little location uh, on like 81st Street on uh, right by, I think it's 8th Avenue, maybe, Broadway perhaps. So uh, get up there on the 14th of September. I think I'm going to bring my brother-in-law. I think Mike is going to come. Well, Mike is definitely going to come because he's on the show. Mike is going to come with his lady friend. Maybe. Um, yeah, we'll see. What is that supposed to mean? Are the people not good enough for her? No, she's been very busy. I don't know what she better make time to meet me. Season, my friend. This is her opportunity to meet me, and it's the only opportunity she'll get. Is that right? Well, yeah, I'm never coming back. Anywho, welcome to um, this just week's still, show. I'm picturing you with like a overall stained in like chicken grease, holding That's completely possible, holding like a musket, defending your farmstead from. Cameras. I don't even remember what I wore last time. I think I wore like a yellow polo. I remember asking you how we should dress for this, and the correct answer for anything like this is whatever you're going to sweat in the least. Yes, literally, whatever. It doesn't matter. Anyway, welcome uh, to Bantering the Blue Shirts. I have returned. My name is Joe Fortunato. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Michael Murphy. And, um, shit, we're in, officially in the dog days of summer. There's nothing also, to talk about. Also, a giant thank you to Tom and Shayna for, especially Tom, for helping to fill in while you were gone child-rearing. Yeah, I mean, again, I find it kind of weird that in private you were furious at both of them because they well, didn't why behave. Just, why must and, you and so? Now, and, and now you mistrust. are. Now you're here saying you're like that, they were, worm tongue. that they were good. Um, or, Mike, or, or I am skin. out of the loop. I haven't even. I haven't even been on Twitter. I like vaguely know about the Kevin Hayes thing that you mentioned. Um, yeah, that's fun. That, that you want to you want to start with that, or should we start with Lemieux and? Uh, no, yeah, well, let's start with uh, let's start with Lemieux. We might as well just because there's not a lot to talk about. Uh, Forever Blue Shirts 
Um, do we call them a rival blog, Joe, or do we just call I get, them? I get, it's full, blog? That's full tilt. Okay. Well, I didn't. So, yeah, you have all these petty like turf wars that I am not involved. I with. I, I have no turf wars. I just with, like everybody. With Tony. Um, I don't have a. You have like no blood Tony. packs and and you know your ancestors. Yeah, here, are here's wrong. here's it's really great. what it comes down to. Where all it's almost like think of it like Hogwarts, right? We have our own house, and we're theoretically all friends with one another. Yeah, you but take like, classes with kids. You but might like go to the Slytherin, ball with uh, with a kid from you know, Slytherin house. sucks. That's what it comes down to. Gryffindor is the best, and we're Gryffindor. That's all it is. I'm a Hufflepuff, but I think that well, you're not anymore. Now, in this example, you've become Gryffindor. <laughs> so, all right. Anyway, uh, they reported they got in touch with uh, Claude Lemieux, uh, who is Brendan Lemieux's father. He his poppy. He protected Who, yeah, young he, I was gonna say, coyotes. He did defend time. against coyotes for uh, uh, 21 yeah. years at this point. Very successfully yeah. done. A lot of coyote. Like I've yet to see a coyote latched onto his leg. Yeah, so neither have I. So it's good solid work, work from uh, from Claude Lemieux. Um, he was a tough guy. So he said, "I've had a few conversations with the Rangers management team, but I can't say that we are close to signing a new contract." Uh, Claude Lemieux, by the way, uh, represents some players from for Four Sports World or. Or something. I, I was going to say, would would we consider hmm. your father being your representative a benefit? Because you know they're not going to screw you over. But then it's like, Dad, just, just like shut the fuck up. Depends on, I would imagine, your relationship between the father and son, and yeah, what their uh, reputation is. Like, yeah, I think that you know, if that's your a very father's the best sports answer. agent in the world, that's you know, it's not a bad deal. Well, you know what, Michael, you, you didn't have to, you didn't have to put me on blast like that. Okay, I didn't put you on blast. I, I, I'm, I I'm, I'm so easing much. myself. I'm easing myself back into the podcasting game. A very lucrative. You, you, you just, you knew what you were doing, and and you've taken, you've just. You want the people to like you more, and it's a, it's a damn shame that it would come at the expense of your good friend Joe. I'm not gonna lie, for at least one of those shows, I was really dragging ass. I just didn't have it. But you know what? I don't think people appreciate how hard this is. What the podcast? Yeah, I don't think like it's fun. Yes, but I don't think well, people appreciate that. Like, there is a lot that goes into this. It's the reason I drink, Joe. Which is precisely why you should all be patrons. Patreon.com slash Blue Shirt Banter. By the way, These before my... don't buy themselves, friends. Before my continues again, we had a... I mean, literally a tidal wave. A tsunami of uh, positive reviews on iTunes. So, um, we really appreciate that. It goes a long way. Um... And thank you. I think we've had, Mike and I kind of had some expectations for what downloads would be um, when we started on Vox, which was in January. And yeah, it's been even better than that. So thank you all for that. But continue, Michael, about Lemieux and his daddy. Oh, yeah. So his some of Lemieux's biggest clients are Timo Meyer, Hampus Lindholm, Freddie Anderson, um, you know, Melker Carlson, guys like that. Oh, I didn't also, realize he was an actual sports agent. Oh, yeah, he is. Um, I thought he was just representing his son. Oh, no, no. He represents. He also represents oh, okay. former Ranger Oscar Lindbergh. Um, oh, little Oscar, uh, actually. Kevin Fiala and a couple other guys, but his son is one of them, and supposedly it just the, the news is really there is no news. Um, but at this stage of the game and where the Rangers are at the cap crunch, it's not too surprising. It's just kind of, you know, we're just kind of waiting for the other shoe to drop, whether that's the Rangers, you know, finally cornering Lemieux's camp and them having to admit, like, yeah, we have no, we have no, like, hand here. We we don't have arbitration rights. We're just going to take what we can get or, you know, this becomes a, a much smaller scale uh, Mitch Marner 
<laughs> situation where yeah, I mean, I, I actually it's the will he won't he, and uh, the same is true, obviously, of D'Angelo, who are still waiting for a contract. If we are going to be honest, I am a little surprised Lemieux is not signed yet because it does mean that there's no he's not taking the qualifying offer, and between him and D'Angelo, really the only one of them that has the the ability or even leverage from their play on the ice to deny their own qualifying offer is D'Angelo. Is D'Angelo, yeah. I, I think it's a little bizarre that Lemieux, who, listen, Lemieux is a, he's a nice piece. Uh, I wouldn't say he's necessary. I mean, he brings some toughness to the Rangers. He's not a foundational and, player. He is, however, a young guy on a young team. Yeah, some, probably some trying to figure out a deal that helps him carve out a role to, you know, really establish his career because at his age and after, you know, he was a he was a young guy involved in a trade, a deadline trade, you know, this is the stage of his career where I think he starts to wonder like how long will I get to be in the NHL? He doesn't want this contract to go you know, these negotiations to go poorly, but it looks like they've already hit that, you know, what's gonna happen here. The thing that fascinates me with this Joe is if you're you know, if you're Lemieux, what do you want from the Rangers? Well, right, right. That's what what's I'm, like, your ideal Le- contract. What's Lemieux's talents are cheap. He, you, you don't yeah. pay a lot of money for the things that Lemieux does. No, you don't pay a premium for so, uh, an energy line guy who throws you know, he's, he's, and goes he, to the net. Sean Avery kind of earned his keep in a way because, you know, he was Sean Avery and he did a lot of other things, but. If Lemieux becomes that type of player, which I think would really probably be his ceiling, right? That's what we would love. Maybe 15 goals, yeah, like you know, 30 Avery points like, or something, yeah, and just something a, of that, a pest and whatnot. You, you, again, the, the, even that's not that expensive. But for right now, I don't know what he could be holding out for. Maybe he wants a longer-term deal, I guess. I don't know. The Rangers really aren't in much of a position to be picky. I mean, they, they bought out Kevin Shattenkirk. Like, they've already done the work to save cap space. Yeah, so the hard part. Now it's just, they have, like, everyone, it, it's kind of assumed, all of us just assume that, yeah, D'Angelo and the Mew know what the story is, and they know they have to, this team has to fit under the cap. They also are not dummies. They know that, you know, Brendan Smith will likely be in the AHL, so will Matt Bolesky, and that means that there's only X amount of dollars to go between these two guys, and like you said, D'Angelo is the one who can negotiate from a position of strength. He was a .5 points per game defenseman last season, and the Rangers bought out Shattenkirk. So. And even he, like, negotiate from a position of strength really yeah. just means, I don't want my qualifying offer. I want yeah. a little bit more and than even my qualifying that, offer. He, yeah, but it also, like, you know, to repeat the point, he also doesn't have Arbright, so he's in this place of... Arbright's? Look at you. He's in this place of, I, you know, he wants, I'm sure he wants security, especially given how you know, the first couple of years of his NHL career have gone. I'm sure he's one of those guys who would like some financial security, maybe not looking for term, but... Well, I, yeah, that, that was in a different world where the Rangers weren't so cap-strapped. I think yeah. D'Angelo would already be signed to a bridge deal. I actually think Lemieux would be too, but with the, the current too. condition yeah. of the Rangers' cap space, they need these one-year qualifying offer deals so that they can just... You, you just... That's it. It's well, over. Yeah, it's done to, with... They have to, it's like that thing where you see, like, uh, what is it, like, like inspiring motivational speaker things where people run over hot coals. The Rangers, this upcoming season and next season, just with, with the buyout penalties, have to just tiptoe their way through this and get through it any way they can. And that means that some of these guys, especially the guys like Lemieux and D'Angelo in this case, are going to 
not get what they want, and they have to wait until they get those arbitration rights before they can do what Buchnevich and Truba did. You know, but you you feel like those conversations, like they would have happened already. I mean, we're we're nearing September. Like it is eventually. Look, let's um, be very honest about the upcoming season for the New York Rangers in regards to the continued disruption of this lineup. The Rangers are going to have the Chris Kreider headache hanging over them for the entire year. Until he's traded or extended, it's just it's going to be a a monthly, and then it will become a weekly story, the same way that it was with Matt Zuccarello. Going into camp with two holdouts, let alone you know, well one holdout, let alone two holdouts, I don't think is ideal. But the Rangers, like they would have to have something. They don't. They don't have a choice. I mean, they they can't go above and beyond for either of these guys. It's just not in the cards. But it's very bizarre to me that there's been no negotiation through the media, which insinuates that negotiations are at least cordial enough that nobody wants to go out of their way to put pressure on the other side. In D'Angelo's case, we've heard nothing, literally nothing. So it's just bizarre because these are the two guys that we said, hey, they might get taken care of first because they don't have arbitration rights, so they can't be offer sheet. D'Angelo is the perfect offer sheet candidate. He Rangers is, wouldn't be able to match context, an offer, and it's what a second round pick. Stuff, yeah, it's that is somewhat surprising. But now you know, I feel like we're asking ourselves why this hasn't gotten done. And I feel like one of the the you know kind of slam dunk you know reasons without being in that room with Jeff Gordon is these weren't the most important things on the docket. Like these were at the bottom of the list, and. You know, I'm sure D'Angelo and his agent are saying, hey, you know, you have Adam Fox, a rookie, uh, who's unproven, and then you have Truba, who you just gave, you know, a monster deal to, but you need someone to play the second pair on that, on that, you know, dogs. on that right side. And but you know what? It's, it's like, Jake Gardner's still turn. unsigned, no? What's that? Isn't Jake Gardner still unsigned? Yeah, I believe so. so this, this is a weird, it's a very weird offseason. He was one of the big names, aside from Panarin. Yeah, he's, yeah, with, you know, was briefly, you know, the, not only just in terms of the RFAs, really, but the, just in general, the amount of free agents that held on, and, you know, obviously Shattenkirk is kind of an exception, because he was bought out, you know, and then he, he hit the market later than everyone else, you know what I mean, but... There's just so many massive RFAs that are not signed yet, and it's Patrick Line. I mean, the De- list goes on, I would, on, I would argue that Tony D'Angelo is exactly the type of person that you offer sheet. It's low compensation. The Rangers can't match. You get a guy who's going to give you potential. It's a low risk move, and. The fact that he has not been, I think, speaks a lot to the state of offer sheets as a whole in the NHL. But it's also, like like I said, like Mike said, there's big names out there. Line A saying, what, anything can happen at this point because he doesn't know what's going on with negotiations. Like, whew, Winnipeg does not know how to take care of their talent. But I don't know, man. It's a weird situation. And the Rangers are in a weird situation. They are in a weird situation. And... I honestly didn't think we'd be digging into it this much, but it, like this is one of those stories that with each week that passes, it gets a little more intriguing, right? And we're just kind of waiting to see what will happen and what has already been a really interesting offseason, Joe. And part of the thing that made it interesting was Kevin Hayes and 
The news that came out, look at me with transitions. I didn't need you at all, you son of a bitch. Um, well, you've ruined it now by talking. That's okay. I ruin a lot of things. So, Cervelli reported that he heard uh, from another player that he had talked to Kevin Hayes, and Hayes admitted uh, that essentially he would only sign in Philly if they overpaid, and that is exactly what they did. So... I think is he goes oh yeah i just ran into kevin hayes uh this unnamed nhl player um he said kevin hayes told him the only way he's going to the flyers is if the flyers overpaid to get him um and cerevelli estimates the flyers spent you know between 600 and 700k per year uh more than they should have on that massive kevin hayes deal which to me honestly i don't know i might say that's conservative <laughs> like I really, really like Kevin Hayes, don't get me wrong, but when I saw the seven million figure, I was like, oh boy, I was nervous about getting to like 6.2 per year. Yeah, let, let's... Uh... Here's the thing, it's, it's difficult because players go to free agency because they get overpaid in free agency. So yeah. that's part of it. You want to be there. You want to be in the position that Kevin Hayes found himself in when teams were, you know calling him and saying, well, we'll give you this, we'll give you this. Like, it's a it's a desirable situation to be in. Like, uh, everyone wants to be in that spot. So, it's a nice place to be when you feel like you're going to get overpaid. And, you know, he doesn't really have to move too far from the home he established in, uh, in New York. But I'd imagine he would do that. It, it's weird that he goes back with Vigneault. He got traded to the Flyers, so like we talked about, because don't forget, when he got traded to the Flyers, there was this, I'm going to say this one to two day period where everyone was like, oh, Hayes is going to sign a six-year, $6 million deal, and we were all looking at each other like, that's not enough money for him to be a free agent slash also the guy who just got traded for assets, even if it was only a fifth-round pick. And things ended up dragging on, and and the Flyers ended up giving Hayes an enormous contract that very well may be part of the reason why the Rangers don't sign Kreider. Because if you're Chris Kreider, how do you look at what Kevin Hayes is making and not say, I'm worth $50 million, and you give an extra year to Kreider? So, yeah, I love Chris Kreider, but the... the whether or not Kreider fits in this team's long-term plans, I think, has reached the point where we don't know to now, I think some people are kind of saying to themselves, well, we kind of hope not. And that doesn't have as much to do with Chris Kreider as it does with his age, the contract they gave Panarin, and the sort of contract he's going to get. Like, especially if he puts it all together this year, it's it's going to be... And the thing is, he really did kind of put it all together last year, and then he got hurt, and his production fell off a goddamn cliff. And in many ways, that might have, you know, drove what his, you know, value might be worth in the open market down. Yeah, but it really, it, Kreider is such a weird case, because it's, it's like Pandora's box, in a way, that you really don't know what you're getting. I mean, this, this is a guy who will likely continue to be an elite two-way player for the next three or four years. Maybe not four years, but you're paying them for seven or eight. You know what I mean? There's such a, yeah. a risk-reward there, and the longer you go, two, one or two years, the Rangers might still not be contenders. They're not true contenders this year. They probably won't be next year. They I, might be in two years. I don't think the Rangers are a playoff team, even a wild card. I don't think they're a playoff team this year, but I think they'll be close. I've done, you know, for a piece, you know, contributing to sporting news, uh, you know, looking at what 
you know, the East looks like, and, like, the Atlantic Division is awesome. It has a lot of great teams in it. The Metropolitan Division uh, has, you know, the Penguins who are on the decline. They have the Capitals who are still really, really good. And, like, who else is there in the Metropolitan, Joe? Who's going to finish third in the Metropolitan? I would guess Columbus. Um, like Carolina. I, for all that Columbus lost, it still has, you know, a pretty solid lineup, especially the blue line, considering how beat up their blue line was with all the games Wierenski missed and everything. But, yeah, Carolina, I don't dislike that pick, but I think it's Columbus. And then I also, I'm of the opinion the two wildcard spots are going to go to the Atlantic Division teams. Like, I just, it's a crazy imbalance of power in the East. And the fun part is the Rangers are going to be a part of that balancing out. You know, with with their young roster, as are the Devils. But do you think I, I don't think the Devils are going to go from last in the Metro to no? I don't think the Devils are in a great playoffs. space either. It, it's a it's a weird. This is a very weird dynamic in the Metro. It feels like Washington probably stayed kind of status quo. I think yeah. the Devils got a little bit better. I think it's fair to say the Flyers got worse. Not not Hayes, but the other moves that they made. The Penguins are worse. You don't lose Phil Kessel and not get a little bit worse. Um, I don't know, man. The Rangers might sneak into a wild card spot because it wouldn't surprise me if the Rangers were okay this year. And you might not need to be anything more than okay to make the playoffs. It's true. I just I don't think it's likely. I think it's the the odds of the Rangers making it there are really long. It's just it's too yeah. Hard. I I definitely I wouldn't bet on it, but if. The Rangers make the playoffs. I would not be shocked. That's my point. That's the point I'm trying to make. No, I feel that. It just... feel you. Oh, I like that. Um, not while the baby's watching, Joe. Uh, the baby is asleep, you animal. Well, um, you had to make it more weird than it already was. Um, um, I don't know what to think, really, of, of what happens in the Metro beyond the obvious. Like, the Capitals are going to do well. Um, I want Carolina to do well because I think they're a fun team. But, you know, they had goaltending for the first time last year, and that goaltending is a little bit different. You know, they have, you know, they still have, you know, Razik, and that's fun. I love their defense. And, you know, they didn't get screwed over with Ajo in terms of an offer sheet, but they didn't get him to a contract that really locks them up. I think they're going to be fine. The thing that is just like, I'm looking at the Devils lineup, and yeah, they'll have a full year Taylor Hall. They have Heischer, Palmieri, Gusev. Uh, I think he's going to be fine. You know, Jack Hughes, Jesper Bratt, Wayne Simmons, Zajac, and then on the blue line you have Subban, who doesn't really drive possession, but he just puts up points, but maybe he helps that power play in a big way. You have Sammy Vatnin, you have Will Butcher, Damon Severson, Seven-year-old Andy Green, Corey Schneider, Mackenzie Blackwood. I, uh, I don't, I don't think that's a playoff team. The good news is it really doesn't matter. No, it doesn't matter. The Rangers. It doesn't matter what the Rangers are. Yeah, but I, they're going to grow. They're going to continue to grow, whether yeah. they're a playoff team or a bottom-out team. They cannot Just lose. Give me, give me a Calder uh, winner with Capo Caco, and all, all, all is fine. All the growing pains will be fine if uh, if Capo Caco does what we all want him to do. Capo Caco in the Caco. Uh, should um, we take questions, Mike? Oh, yeah. Since this oh, is the on, mega let me, show. Oh, let me check one more thing. Oh, yeah. I wanted to ask you about this, buddy. 
Um, I'm ready. Just because content is lean all across the board, uh, NHL Network is doing its you know top you know players by position, and they had Jacob Truba of the New York Rangers come in at the 15 spot. Joe, uh, the defenseman they rank better than him. Brent Burns, Victor Hedman, Mark Giordano, Eric Carlson, Seth Jones, John Carlson, Morgan Riley, Roman Yossi, Drew Doughty, Chris Letang, Alex Petrangelo. Is John Drew Doughty still that good? P.K. Subban and Charlie McAvoy. I think Drew Doughty is very overrated at this stage of his yeah, career. So I, and I would almost kind of say the same thing about Subban on that he's. But here's the thing: I'm. I've seen I hear It's been fun having a baby because I've witnessed from afar some of the fights that are going on. I sort of incited a Ryan Strom fight, which I'm not rehashing here. I can't keep doing this. What have I, you I, done, Joe? If, if, you just you're busy. You, you're. Child rearing and causing shit. I just like I just like lighting fires. That's what it comes down to. My point about Strom: if you want to die on the hill, that Ryan Strom has another gear, even though you literally did that last year with Jimmy VC and you were wrong. And the fact that ninety nine percent of twenty five year old players are exactly what they are, that's fine. I don't give a shit. Do what you want. I could care less. Um, but the Jacob Truba stuff. You're so inflammatory. I'm 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 flamed up, man. The why Jacob Truba stuff. The way that you are. I, I'm I'm I can't like. Why are we all fighting about this? First of all, every Devils why writer. Why the fight about it? Every Devils writer seems he shot to believe. Twenty two percent last season. Ryan it, Strom. That's, that's the whole story. Let people well, think it, what that's they not. Be. It's not allowed, Michael. Apparently, you're disparaging your own team. I don't want to get into it. I said I didn't want to get into it. We're not getting into it. <laughs> every okay. Devils writer has a comment to make about the Rangers rebuild. I don't give a shit. I don't care. I don't care what you think about the Subban trade. No. I don't think you... I, I don't give a shit about the Truba thing. Rebuild. I don't care. I could give two shits what you think about the Rangers prospect pool. You are a fan of the New Jersey Devils, and if this is the only way that you can stay relevant with your team, then so be it. But I don't want to be a part of it. I just don't care. What were we talking about? Oh, Truba. So, anyway, I haven't really, like stayed abreast of some of this nonsense. I think Trube is probably a little overrated at this point. Um, I think he's going to be an unbelievable upgrade to the Rangers defensive corps, but I do think at this point he's probably a little overrated. I don't know if he should necessarily be even that. What is he, 15th on that yeah, list? Yeah, 15. He, he, he probably should be on the, the very back end of that list. I put him comfortably in the top... 20 or 25. That, that's exactly where I would kind of... Then that's what a top know, 20 list. I don't know about 15. It all depends on what metrics we're measuring but, by. But who, you know, there was... I kind of saw a down year with Winnipeg. So, I don't know. Maybe he does better in New York. But again, like... Well, he has career high in points, but points are not a great way to measure defense. Saying things like that yeah. and having a legitimate expectation are two very different things. And uh, I will. My big thing with Truba is he's going to have a very hard time living up to the contract. Is and you know it's really that's a a bed he made for himself, in my opinion. Um, that he and his agent made for. Well, what is he supposed to do? Himself. Take less money? No, of course not. But I do think that you know he. I think you know it was would not have been unreasonable, you know, to to assume and expect. You know, from the Rangers' perspective, to get him in at seven million a year, not eight million a year, um, and I don't think that's you know that's crazy talk. I do think that you know he, you know, was probably at the stage of his career where he said you know with you know his you know fiance and all that, like yeah, I want to you know get my roots in and you know and yeah, uh, but think about it. Think about it too, not just from like a 
I want to get as much money as possible standpoint. But think about it from, like, what he's been through. Winnipeg lowballs him twice for two contract negotiations with his RFA. The Rangers trade for his rights. You know you have him by the balls. They have to sign you. Same thing with Kevin Hayes in Philadelphia. But with a lot more at stake, yeah. Sure. Uh, Yeah, you make a fair point. It just, I think that he'll have a hard time living up to that. With that being said, I'm very happy that he's on the Rangers' right side and will be on the top pair. I just think that some people will be a little a little underwhelmed about, you know, his complete game and, you know, what sort of power play presence he has. You know what, though? If he puts up it 50 points next year, nobody's going to say a word. No, and they shouldn't. If, if he's able to do that, then that's, you know... But it is amazing how... Like, eight, 8 million for 50 points? It's like, well, yeah, that's, that's what you do. It's uh, amazing how this fan base turned on Kevin Shattenkirk. Yeah, I'll it really get over is. That one. It's 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 incredible. <laughs> I know we've you know, and the Tom same and I, people who hammered that into the ground, but yeah, the same people who will literally fight me tooth and nail about how Ryan Strom is going to be better, are the same people who are like Kevin Shankirk was the worst defenseman on the team last year. Was he really? Anyway, There's, Michael, is there anything else that you want to talk about now that you fired me up like an animal? No, uh, other, the only other little nugget was Sporting News and Elite Prospects, and apparently NHL Networks all ranked the Rangers farm system as first in the league, Joe. Our oh, babies they, are better than all the other babies. I, and again, even subjectively, I think there might be reason to be like, uh, but... Yeah, I'm, I'm all like, hey, that's fun. I'm not sure, like, I don't know enough about the, you know, the, the farm systems of other teams. Like, the Rangers have a really fun group of kids but i also the way my brain works is like all right well i I recognize where we have deficiencies like there's not a lot of center depth coming up through the pipeline that you can get excited about like it's philip hedel and then is there another top six center in the works no like but not even that like give give gordon credit i mean how quickly did he turn this prospect this farm system around i know he had assets but he could have gone about this a much worse way well, this is undoubtedly music to the front office's ears after they decided to pour, you know, $20 million in cap space into the two big-ticket players they got to hear that they, you know, are considered yeah, to have this kind of, you know, respect around the league for their prospect pool. And I'm all about, like, the top five or ten Rangers prospects are awesome. Like, I love Andre Miller. I'm all about Adam Fox. I'm so excited to see what happens, but... We'll see. I think the Rangers are definitely top three. I, you know, I I'm not in a rush to say who's better than them, but they're top three, and it I would not have enough. surprised you two years ago for them to be bottom three. Oh hell no! Yeah. <laughs> so was, that's I mean, yeah. who honestly, who was Heedle was like the and I listen. I I will stand for Philip Heedle all day, every day, but it's it's incredible the transformation that the Rangers have gone through. Yeah, it really Heedle is Heedle and the the. The like hazy, smoky uncertainty about Igor Shosturkin and what he would become, and if he would even come to the United States. And now this prospect pool is so fun, Joe, that Shosturkin signed an NHL contract, and no one's talking about it. Yeah, well, what is there's there's so nothing much really other even shit to, say. to talk about, right? Like there's, it's like, oh yeah, maybe Igor's in the NHL, maybe not, whatever. You know, that's like the tenth storyline in training camp compared to all the other stuff to talk about. Everyone just wants to talk about Panarin and Kako, and, you know, the story goes on and on. But, yeah, let's let's hit the mailbag. We're at the 30-minute mark, and we're going to do a mega show this week because reasons. 
Did we not really? say we were doing yeah. a mega show? I'm surprised we got 30 minutes of content, to be completely honest, out of that. Yeah. Uh, we so don't have a ton of questions we this week. Other, we I did miss each other. Um, our boy you. Michael Silvers, which player or players will be under the microscope the most this season in both the mainstream media and blogging slash social media communities? Oh, I think so. I have my answer. Okay, well, hit me with yours. My answer, I think Trub is the runner-up just because of the contract, but the correct okay. answer is Ryan Strom. Because there's already so much fire around him. Actually, you know what? I'm gonna give you two. I'm gonna give you two answers. Ryan Strom, Leah Sanderson. Wow. Because we're already say, at the point with Anderson where people are like, uh, he's a bust. I was gonna say Chris Kreider. Um, yeah, but like the, the Kreider that, stuff is more about are you here or are you not here? Well, that's the thing is that is a a spotlight of a different kind, but we know that has a big impact, especially yeah, in a city like New York. Just exactly. Look at what happened with Matt Zuccarello, how good he is, and how he was able to turn it around, and how great he was in the playoffs, and how he turned that into a contract that the Minnesota Wild should never have given him. Um, and all of that is, you know, a lot of fun uh, from when you're watching it from the sidelines, and he ends up, uh, you know, in a different conference, even though it screwed the Rangers out of a first-round pick or two. But Bitches. The, Bitches and hoes. I don't dislike the Strom. I just, I'm of, maybe I'm so biased in that I have such low expectations for Strom that I'm just like, yeah, you know. Yeah, but he's already, like, people are already fighting about him. Yeah, I know, but that's, that's just this week. It's, it's the off season. It's people find things to get spicy about, you know. The spicy meatball. That's just, you know, middle of August, you know, hockey, this is the doldrums of the doldrums. There's nothing going on. And so someone, you know, gets a little hot under the color about what Ryan Strom can be, and it, you know, it snowballs. Like, the the bottom line to me about Ryan Strom is the Rangers really should have traded him when his stock was at its highest, because from here, bought him out. it is only going to go down. Yeah, it's not um, good. If but you could have like, a third-round pick for Ryan Strom, like you did for VC, you'd take that deal to the bank. Uh, but they didn't do that. and that's, I, I bet they could have, too. That's the problem. Well, I really feel like they could have. You know, I want to... We don't often do this joke, but because the mailbag's a little light, I want to ask you which guy on the team is going to benefit from being outside of the spotlight. I'm going to say it's Kravstov. Oh, you know what? That's a very good answer. I was going to say Brett Howden. No one's talking about Brett Howden. Yeah, that's kind of bad, though. I don't think that's bad because it's. I think it's going to level off expectations for a guy who punched way above his weight in the first couple months of the season, got hurt, and you know definitely the underlying numbers were never good. But the, I think it's not a bad thing that there's a bunch of other young players that people are going to be looking at. But like you, I feel like the spotlight is always going to be hot on Leah Anderson. I really hope he doesn't get scorched under it this year because... There's no, there's no reason why he can't be a successful NHL player. Mm. It just, it's the, it's the definite. It, the problem is what people's definition of, you know, what successful means for a guy who is seventh overall. I'm, he's a guy I'm definitely pulling for. I'll put it that way. Should we read? We read Shana's question. Yes, let's read Shana's question. I don't want to read her question. You don't let me read questions before the show. That's true. So she has two questions. We'll answer the light one first, then there's a heavier one. The light one is, which player impresses you the most off the ice for the Rangers slash around the league? 
Oh, wow. That's a really good question. That is a really good question. Um, um, well, I think, you know, it's worth mentioning that Mika Sabinajad, we had a story go up on Banter today that blew up on, uh, on Twitter. So when this podcast goes up, it's what we had in the late afternoon slot or noon slot uh, on Monday about Mika Zibanejad and his restaurant uh, donating, I think it's 10 kronor, which is a Swedish currency, uh, to women's hockey in Sweden because the Swedish women's national team is boycotting the upcoming Five Nations tournament because the Swedish Ice Hockey Association or Swedish Hockey Federation, also known as, uh, is essentially dog shit in its treatment of female athletes. So um that kind of you know it's timely to ask this question i like the henrik lundquist foundation is amazing and it's really hard to beat that i think um i think panarin and and the way he spoke up about putin was really impressive uh that impressed me in terms of stuff that's happened recently like that was like a holy shit moment that we didn't talk about too much uh didn't write about on the banter because it's a little little prickly politically you know in terms of a blog where we don't encourage too much political uh discourse but yeah across the league is hard here's Um, i'll give you a couple you ready sure yeah hit me matt zuccarello just because he's not a ranger anymore but um i think zuccarello has been an active you can play ambassador and somebody who truly just like does things the right way um in the same vein braden holpe i mean he's a huge Equal rights ambassador yeah, for the LGBTQ, NHL. Yeah, I mean, in, in Washington D.C., which is obviously an enormous political market. Uh, how could it not be? Since that's where the White House is, but and and that's not exactly. I mean, you see the hate that he gets. My retired player is Andrew Ference. Andrew Ference has impressed the hell out of me. Um, you know who else was really big about the you can play stuff? Was that Sean Avery? Oh yeah, it's true. He was well. Ahead Sean of, Avery was well ahead willing of the curve that, to. Yeah. If you were a gay hockey player, you could call Sean Avery and come out in front of your teammates with Sean Avery next to you. Yeah, I say what you will about Sean Avery. I read his biography last summer. I need um, to do that. He very much impressed me with how ahead of the curve he was, especially like in terms of his, you know, the public image he had is kind of an immature, you know, hothead, and then having that kind of, you know forward-thinking, you know, approach to, yeah, I would, of course, welcome a gay teammate into the locker room. Why wouldn't I? And him, for him to say that and knowing the market he's in and, you know... Especially at that, the time. Even though it was only, yeah, like, 10 was, years ago, it was it really... It was a big damn deal. Relatively um, shocking. And that, and now you get Sean Avery, who puts up videos on Twitter of him yelling at people for blocking the bike lane. So you, you get a little yeah. bit of everything. That's true. Uh, Shana's second question... A heavier question. How do you want more men's hockey players to connect to the women's game? What do you think they could slash should be doing to show their support? I want to mention one more. Anders Nilsson. I wrote about him last summer with uh, him the way he's addressed homophobia in hockey. That oh, Let- Letner? No, no. It's an and- Anders No, I know. I'm saying Letner as well. Oh, and, and well, Rob and Letner with his mental health awareness yes. stuff is also amazing. Um yeah, a lot of goalies. Goalies goalies are just better than us. Oftentimes weirder, but not in a bad way. But men's hockey players engaging more with women's hockey. Um, it's an interesting thing, because I remember you showed me a comment where someone on Twitter said something to the effect like the Zabena Jad's restaurant donation, like 10 kronor is roughly one American dollar. 
And, you know, their comment was like, how about donating 10% of his salary? Make, you know, make real change happen. And it's one of those things where like, okay, well, hold, like, what sort of expectations do we, do we set that are reasonable and fair? Like, do we understand that it's not to, to give 10% of your salary to anything, any cause is really extreme. Especially because not all of it is there after taxes anyway, right? I don't give ten percent um, of my salary to my four hundred one k. And you know, I'm you know, I don't think it's any secret how much I care about women's hockey. But like, you know, what there's like reasonable expectations. I think when you know when you see players, for instance, when uh, the Sabres players last season, although the uh, Pagula Sports Entertainment no longer. Um, is tied to or owns the Buffalo Buttes of the NW, which are like them wearing Buttes hats in post-game media scrums and stuff. Little things like that, I think, are cool. That doesn't mean that's what's like. That's not. There shouldn't be a prerequisite for how much care you should show. I do think when it comes to shit like the Swedish uh, Hockey Federation, I want to hear Henrik Lundqvist say something and use his position of influence to affect meaningful change because this is just one of those things where, you know, athletes are given, you know, diet, like, you know, nutritional supplements after their, you know, best used by dates. They're not giving, they're not given women's clothing, you know, athletic apparel. They're given like men's athletic apparel. Uh, they're asked to take it like a ferry instead of a, a flight, you know, and travel with team Finland, you know, instead of, you know, taking a 10 hour trip by boat instead of, a two-hour flight. These little things were just tr- clearly treating women like second-class athletes and second-class figures in the hockey federation. I'd like players to stand up and say something, especially when they're involved in the same organization, like whether it's USA Hockey or the Swedish Ice Hockey Federation or the Russian Hockey Federation, whatever. Um, but in terms of like what it would be great for players to to get engaged more, especially. Because we know, especially like the college hockey guys, who so many of them are friends with players. Like I know for a fact that they're, you know, a lot of, you know, the players on the Riveters are buddies with guys uh, who, you know, they played in schools with guys who got to the NHL. And, you know, any little, any little nod would make so much impact. And I don't think they really realize that. And also realize, frankly, like how much like what kind of currency that's worth in terms of publicity if you care about that kind of thing that's not the reason to do it the reason to do it is because it can affect change it can make you know it can make the athletes lives better it can expose the sport to people who didn't know it was there and you know maybe address some of the inequity we have but i would like to see just an effort from people who have good reason to get involved and you know if you have a sister who plays hockey at the collegiate level maybe say something every once in a while you know what i mean if if you're already invested you shouldn't like be silent unless you know you've had like a private uh understanding in your family like yeah we don't want that to be a thing but you know it's it's up to everyone i just would imagine we'd see a little bit more care shown especially for important shit like to be bold for change or even uh you know the professional women's hockey Players Association, or this uh, most recently, uh, you know, for the future with uh, the Swedish Ice Hockey Federation. Yeah, I, I think acknowledging them would be a really good start, right? When the women went on their boycott, and the 
NHLPA's response was pretty much just like, we stand with them. Yeah, that's it, it's, awesome. It's, that's all you need to do. For, like, all you need to oh, do I was, is... Oh, I was going to shit on that, actually. Well, here's my thing. My is it better than nothing? So low, it is way better than nothing, and more often than not, all we see is nothing. I mean, yes, but like, have a little bit of here. You bring up a good point. Like, it would be wonderful. And I, again, I coming from the baby coyote protection, I had no idea any of this was going on in Sweden <laughs> until you you protection. literally just said it. Yeah, I, Henrik Lundqvist making a statement would go a really long way. There, there's going to be tons of issues. There should be things that are very even. This is a very hot topic with the United States women's national team for soccer, um, not getting paid as much as the men. That's an issue that we've seen internationally in hockey as well, and the women actually they got that taken care of as well. And from an international standpoint, it's a much more difficult pill to swallow. Right, because everything should be equal on an individual standpoint. Assuming that women in the NWHL should make seven or eight million dollars right away, it, no. I mean it's yeah, not realistic, and that has nothing to do with the fact realistic. that they're women. It's the same reason why hockey players Ovechkin doesn't make as much as a quarterback in the NFL. It comes no, down to popularity yeah, and, and TV rights and all this yeah. nonsense. But the flip side of that is there doesn't seem to be a lot of effort to include and give the NWHL its rightful place in, hey, let's try to grow this game the right way and try to get more women involved. And that is an issue with the NHL, even though the NHL isn't a part of it. We saw what happened at the All-Star game, where the NHL, for whatever reason, didn't want to give the payouts fairly for the skills competition. I mean, little things where the NHL has an opportunity to do a great PR thing. What was it, $25,000? How many women were there? Five? Four? Yeah, and, uh, you know, with... Uh, it's $100,000, or 125 depending on how many Decker women were there. And, I think it was uh, four. Yeah, and Kendall Clark. Well, well it, all, I think there was, for each skills competition, a different member of Team USA or Team Canada participated. Like, what are we... So. What, it's, it's just... It's not just... If you don't talk about it, if you just pretend that it doesn't exist, it becomes a bigger issue. And I don't think that the NHLPA and a lot of the players in the NHLPA give a shit. I just don't think they care. Yeah, and that's unfortunate. And I do think there's a there's a happy balance between the um, you know this expectation. Like I know there's a lot of people who say like you know of course Gary Bettman and the NHL should you know pay you know create the WNHL and give these women a living wage and you know do all these things. But the other part of that is like the the uncomfortable you know, devil's advocate position to that is the NHL is a business. And, like, it's so frustrating that we Not a particularly well-run one, either. Well, we see time and again in women's professional sports that, like, advertisers and sponsors just don't line up for it. And even though they're growing in popularity, and even though the teams, you know, like in last season, the NWHL, uh, the Minnesota Whitecaps turned a profit, and like that's that's a huge story, especially for a league that was only around in its fourth season. And you look to stories like that, and you say like, all right, this this can work. And then in women's hockey, you know, there's this uh, the fracture between the PWHAPA and the players who uh, you know are signing with the NWHL, and like it's a very complicated thing for. NHL teams to get involved with now, which is unfortunate because, you know, it might be hindering to some 
extent the growth of the game. Like, it's a super nuanced issue. Um, and, like, really, I said, like, you know, the NHLPA statement is, like, you know, that's all you need to do. But, like you said, I really meant to say, like, that's the bare minimum. Just show you care. And the, show and the you other care. issue... Try and, try and use your platform for good, because at the end of the day, the thing that I think is obvious, and it's so... Like, it just one of... Like, it doesn't matter if you never... Like, if all you do to support the women's game is retweet something or say, like, yeah, you know what? That's right. They deserve a little bit more. Or, or yeah, that's cool. Maybe my daughter can go to, the, to those games. Or I might not watch those games. I don't have time. I just want to watch, you know, my Boston Bruins play or whatever the hell. Like, that's all cool. But the thing is, like, if the women's game grows, it helps the game as a whole. Like, that's just... That's the bottom line. It's, the game only gets better for everyone. More fans get engaged. More people care about hockey. There's enough hockey to go around. And that's what I... That's the thing that, like, drives me insane every single day of my life is the number of people who are just obsessed with hockey, but they don't have, like, a single fuck to give about women's hockey. And when you ask them, they just say, like, ah, I know, I don't have time. It's not as good. There's no hitting. You know, there's all these just these, you know, pre preconceived notions and biases that they just, like, they won't challenge them, which is a shame because they're depriving themselves of an outstanding sport. And, I don't know, Joe, it make, it make Mike sad. It make Mike hang his head and, and mutter to himself. Mike, Mike doesn't do that often either, so you know it's really bad. I just think, like, do, even the, like Mike said, even the bare minimum is... Sometimes, like, ooh, I'm surprised they did anything at all. Give it a try is my... Is my give, you know, give it a thing. shot. That's all. And if you're an NHL player, give a fuck. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't think they can. And you know what? To be completely honest with you, not that it's an excuse. I, I bet, like, the NHLPA is almost as dysfunctional. You know what I mean? Like, they have, yeah, it's not like the NHL is well-run. It's not like the NHL is well-run like football where... And they have their own problems where it's like, oh, we don't have anything to worry about. You know what I mean? Like, we're going to make our money no, and it'll yeah. be fine. The, the NHL has their own issues. But, like, and the other thing I wanted to mention, the guy who's bitching at Zabanajad because he's not giving enough, go fuck yourself. I mean, seriously, you're not doing anything. <laughs> what are you doing? I am... I do not have that perspective. I do. I do what, are you, what are you doing? He's doing asking, something. If he did nothing... He wouldn't have gotten that comment of, thrown at like, him. Cancel culture and uh, virtue signaling and like unrealistic demands placed on human beings who have complicated lives that we don't understand the nuances of. Mika Zibanejad's choice to donate a little bit of money to Swedish women's hockey for every hamburger that's sold in his Swedish restaurant. That had, the last I checked, it had 80,000 impressions on Twitter, our story about that. That's 80,000 more people that know about the Swedish women's national team facing the crisis it's facing. That does a lot. Like, that's a shitload more than most players do. And to call him out, I think, is just... Your, your, you know, your judgment, your harsh judgment of him is, you know, it's, face, it's misdirected. It's not... That's wasted energy. You know what I mean? It belongs elsewhere. You're talking about that kid's wasted energy. Yeah. Yeah, that kid sucks. Not Zabinjad. Zabinjad do no, good. I, I, I thought you were talking about me, and then I was going to get mad. Oh, no. For being you're mad fine, at the kid. Honey. Just, like, you're not... You if you're not, you if just, you're not doing you're not anything... You're not enough sleep, Joe. If you're not doing anything, I don't want to hear it. I don't care if Zabinjad 
gives a fucking dollar. It's more than you're doing. It's a dollar for every burger, Joe. I didn't even know he had a restaurant. I would totally eat at Zabanajad's restaurant. Yeah, forget the, the Swedish name, but it translates to brothers. That's fun. Hmm, What's your dream burger? Tell me your dream burger. <sighs> what do you mean by dream burger? So my dream burger, I'll, uh, I'll tell you what mine is so that you understand. Okay. So I like I like a potato roll. Okay. I want it toasted on the grill. Okay. I don't need sesame seeds. I know there's some people who are all about those sesame seeds. Don't need that. I also, recently I've had people put a little bit of butter on the roll before it goes on the grill. Outstanding. Give me that. Then I want bacon. I want American cheese. I want it medium or medium well, either or. I want sautéed onions and sautéed mushrooms and a little little dollop of barbecue sauce. That's my dream burger. And lettuce, just so it's there's a little bit of green maybe. Take a burger with American cheese. Yeah. Ketchup, mayo, and mustard. <laughs> That's so much. What sort of mustard? Are we spicy brown or are we nope. yellow? Nope, yellow. All right, all right. Lettuce and extra pickles. You know what? Pickles are a strong choice. I love Let me pickles. ask you this. What sort of mustard do you put on your dog? Yellow mustard. When Do you not uh, apply the spicy brown? Spicy? Mm, spicy brown I do with like corned beef or... Okay. I guess if I'm feeling fancy, sometimes I do some grape bomb. Although I take not... I take spicy brown over. Uh, I'm telling you, man. Ketchup mayo mustard is mustard is a Connecticut thing. Mustard on burgers. I can't eat a burger without mustard. I thought it was I like... so weird. Now I need it. No, I've started to do that this summer. I've been grilling a lot this summer. And by the way, I'm not talking full on. You know how Five Guys does like the little rings. Yeah, yeah. Do a little ring of ketchup, little ring of mayo, little ring of mustard. That's all it is. Yeah, like that's why I said just like a dollop. Not so it's sopping wet with the nope. sauce, but just enough. Just enough, enough to, co- to get with the, the three condiments, you've covered the bun. You that's and all. Mayo. You and Maggie and mayo. I just... love mayo. Goddamn. Well, you should eat it, bitch. Um <laughs> Panarin 2020. Hey, Mike and Joe, with the season close and almost all players signed, what do you think the Rangers' four lines look like? Oh, God. This is... I don't know if we're prepared for this question. This is so much. Uh, like, let's let's it, do let's do top six. All right, let's do top six. My top... My first line... What's your first line? P- Panarin, Zib, Kako. That's my first line, too. Line right down two? The line. Kreider, Heedle, Booch. Hmm. Yeah, I guess it has to be. Right? I was going to try to fit Kravstov in there, but I can't. You're a wild man. I like that. You're a fucking wild man. Um, third line, I do... Oh, God. Third line is when it gets a little hard, Joe. <laughs> Howden, Strom, Kravstov. Then Lemieux, Fast. Howden, Strom, Kravstov. Elias Anderson. What about Vlad Nemestikov? I forgot he existed. Put it in the books. Who's on the board? <laughs> Who's on the board? I Who's on the I board? Have, my third line is Vlad, Leas, Kravstov. Shit, then who are we? Then it's then it's what? Then it's yeah, Strom, it's Fast, Lemieux. Who's... Yeah, the Rangers have too many forwards. This, yeah. yeah, what are we? Something, that's Just a trade, situation. trade Vlad Domestikov, like I said. No, they should have done that already then. Enough. I know. God damn it. I know that. I'm going to... Trade Ryan Strom. Yeah, they should have done that, too. Um, all right, Tom Ertz Jr. Oh, I know Wh- that guy. Yeah, he's a, he's Quite a the lover sexy right here. man. 
Uh, I hear. I've I've never participated in loving. Um, That's that's the sort of adjective I want. Mike and Joe, what are your thoughts on these predictions from the hockey news? And then he puts a picture of the hockey news fantasy hockey guide. Yeah, they expect Zvenjad to finish with sixty-four points, right? I don't know. I'm I'm looking right now, and it's impossible to see because the photo is too small. So Tom has betrayed us. Control plus, chump. No, it's it's just it's it's plusing the. Control plus, chump. It's it's not working, you son of a bitch. God, no, it's so only crazy. doing the back. It's only doing the the right, page I'll, of Twitter. Well, all right. So what do they say? Zabanajad. Like sixty four points for Mika Zabanajad. Here I can kind of see here. Eighty six for Panarin. How do I memorize this? Though? Oh, okay. Wait a minute. No, I see it. I see it. it Panarin eighty six points. Over under, Mike. Eighty six points for Panarin. Over under on that. Oh god damn it! I want to say eighty six is right in the neighborhood. I'll say under. I'm I'm gonna say over. Zabanajad sixty four. I'm gonna say way over. Way over. Way over. Kako sixty. I'm gonna say under. <sighs> yeah, I wanna, under. I want to say over by a smidge. Ooh, that would be. Oof, that would be. If he's on the first line all season with Panarin, then I'll then I'll go like this. Okay. Shattenkirk 30 points don't give a fuck um, Fox 13 over yeah, Stall 9 over. over Smith 9 under because he's not going to be here Hayek 8 under because he's also not going to be here Lemieux yeah. 26 that's crazy talk Kravstov 28 mm. Howden 35 I'm going under on that bad boy right uh, there I'll tell you right now if Brett Howden finished with 23 points in 66 games Kravstov is going to finish with more so I think Kravstov has 30 to 35, even if he's stuck on the third line. All right, well, final question. Final question. Felipe Gostin. Hey, guys, except for hockey, can you rank your favorite sport of football, basketball, and baseball? This is a tale And your favorite team in each sport. I'm going to tell you right now, don't like basketball. I guess I'm a Knicks fan (laughs) if I have to be. Tell you right now again, don't really like baseball. Yankees fan if I have to be. Football, eh. Giants fan. <laughs> I like soccer. I like lacrosse. I mean, I'm just being honest with the people, Mike. Just, I started like down. I was going to tell this story about how my, my change in sports, like my taste in sports changed dramatically and just went on a rant like... I'm gonna tell you right now. I just miss podcasting with you. That's all. I missed you too. But yeah, You're fuck so bad. I just don't like basketball. I love March boy. Madness though. I should drive. I should take the train up there. Soon drive up there. But yeah, make you. That's true. Mike cheese. is driving. He's learning how to make the road his bitch. Yeah, I drove seventy miles an hour in my first driving lesson. They let you do that? Yeah, they they just let me do that. Huh? How did that go? Uh, it was fun. I like going fast. I have to master the hand over hand. Uh, turning, okay. Which no one that I'm in the car with ever does, but apparently I need to do that to impress the uh, the road test. Yeah, so the road test, y- y- you got to be able to parallel park. Parallel park, K turn, and signaling, really. Yep. Um, and turning with the hand over hand. Yes, and you have to have both hands on the wheel. Yeah, I always do that. I just you're not supposed to cross your hands because if you cross your hands, you're in trouble. Oh, and Michael, signal yes. when you leave the side of the road when they first get in the car. Because you know what happens if you don't? They fail you, because that happened to my buddy. Well, I had another buddy who made a left into oncoming traffic. Failure. My dad had a friend who totaled his vehicle on his driving test and then fought with the guy 
at all. About why he didn't. Oh, I have stories for you, but we'll go over them later after you've gotten your license. All right, so my sport. So I grew up being hockey one, basketball two. I played basketball for a long time. I was actually good at basketball at one point. Really? Um, Yeah. I was very good at rebounding and passing. I sucked at shooting. Just the athletic part of the game. Um, I just, yeah, the the skill-associated part. I was all hard work. Diving for loose balls. You were Ryan Callahan. I was Charles Oakley. Ryan, Ryan Callahan in this bitch. Um, Wasn't I, Charles I Oakley a really good basketball player? Yeah, he was, uh, was, he was on the New York Knicks. Him and uh, Patrick Ewing were the like the two giant forwards. If like, I could compare myself to one basketball player, I would say Michael Jordan. I would probably say Robert Tractor Taylor for me. Who um, the fuck is that? He was an undersized center who weighed like... 320 pounds he was only like 6'9 6'8 I forget but he was just like a big fat guy uh, who was really good at rebounding and not much else his nickname was, his name was Robert Taylor but they called him Tractor Taylor okay told you basketball uh, but nowadays I'm hockey one football two uh, I would probably say basketball is four and baseball is three. I uh, The history dork in me loves the romantic part of baseball. I would say, like, MMA is probably number three. I like MMA. Really? Yeah. That shocks me the most out of anything I've ever heard about you. I know. You're such a nonviolent person. Boy. Yeah, but I appreciate the the skill aspect of it so much. It's so fascinating to me. Huh. I don't like necessarily the irreparable brain damage part. Um, but, you know, like, I'm not big on fighting in hockey, but fighting and fighting makes a lot of sense to me. Okay. Hey, I also Michael. Like a, I, like, I like a good hog race as well where you grease them up. Really spank them down. Uh, <laughs> Patreon.com slash blue shirt banter. Adam Nowick, Aiden Gaspar, Alex Gardner, Amaya Kistner, Andre Chicago, Anthony Viola, Arch Williams, Can you Bob Callahan. Grease him up and spank him down. Yes, yeah, spank him the fuck down. Bobby Callahan, Chris Habibi, Chris Lucas, Chris O'Connor, CJ Vivola, Clark Carroll, Craig Loshlin, Dan Carosi. Dan when I write romance novels. Dan Sapor? I think you're new, Dan. Uh, tell me how to say your name. Daniel DeJan, Danny Santiago, David L. Singer, Eric Cohn, Eric Carlson, Fancy Lawrence, Gabriel Vargas, 50, Igor Zatlovsky, James Dangles, Jeffrey Stein, Jermaine Francis, John Prezdepelski? Prezpelski, that's what I've been saying. Prezpelski. John, tell me how to say your name, please. John, John Reppy, Johnny Allo, Jordan Sassone, Joshua Zarkin, Keith Franchello, Manny from SC, Matt from Brooklyn, Mediogre. Michael Canick, Michael Marcus, Michael Scott, Michael Silvers, Michael. Actually, I think, yeah, Panarin 2020, Sammy Vogel Seidenberg, Stephanie Benvengo. Patrick Stink Landolt. Well, he's brandy new. He's on the list I created that I didn't tell you about. Okay. Stink Fleeman, Tall Guy Rob the Tin Man, Thomas Osa, Toy from Manhattan, Trevor Kepner, Will from Buffalo, and our new friend Joe. Patrick Landolt. Again, WMM339. Yeah, I, I uh, he's from Buffalo, so I call him Will from Buffalo because I I don't want to call him a Star Wars droid, a WMM three nine P or whatever. Is that is that what that is? No, but that's what I that's what I imagine in my head because I'm a simple boy with simple imagination. I don't even know what to say to you right now. I'm gonna go spank down some. Are you hogs. pleased that I could finish the names though? Yeah, that was great. Um, 
it felt good to be back. You ever been to a petting zoo? I have. They all smell terrible. Well, animals inherently smell bad. I know, but when we talked about the holograces, like, I thought about... I grew up in Homedale in New Jersey, and there's a place called, like, Long Street Farm, and it was one of those places where they dressed, like, uh, in old, ye olden times, and they had the petting zoo, and it was a bunch of sheep, and then just an absolutely giant obese pig. And I remember, like, the sheep were cute, even though they were, like, like shit would get covered to their wool, and it's like, ah, oh, someone grab a hose, do something, they're covered in shit, but the, the pig was literally just wallowing in its own shit. Really? And I was just like, that's not nice, and it smells god-awful. Have you, ever, have you ever seen the video of the wild boar that emerges from the sea and just fucks people up on the beach? No, but I'm gonna send I'm it to you right, right now. <laughs> it is the greatest. It is the greatest thing of all time. These these beachgoers are just. Um, I want to say Australia, but I don't know. These people are just hanging out on the beach, right? I'm watching the video right now, and th- honest to God, from the waves, a boar appears. Okay, the boar <laughs> comes out onto the. It comes out onto the beach. It's running around. Everybody thinks it's really funny, and the boar just goes and just just starts fucking people up starts tearing ass up oh my god it's amazing it it flips this guy over it just starts attacking people it's amazing i'm sending it to you right now anyway mike is a wild boar good night